I dunked you one time. You, you need to be dunked three times. You need two more dunks. You're joking, right? No, 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 no more dunking. I don't want any more dunking. Get back in there. A couple of dunks, you're done. No, no more dunks for me. Good morning, Swim World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, May 31st. Happy Memorial Day to everyone in the U.S. Hope you're all staying safe, having a hot dog, freaking a brewski. And you'll take a second at some point today to remember the brave men and women who did sacrifice their lives for this country and our freedom here. I am Jay Skeets, rolling with the homie, Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tass. We got my Top Shot Hot Boy, fellow freak, ripping them lips this weekend, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Oh, the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. <laughs> and last but not least, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to the stream team for joining us live on YouTube here on this Monday morning. Smash that like button. Everybody take a second. Just go over, smash it. Leave your comments below this video and subscribe. We are inching oh so close to 40 thousand subs so thank you to everybody that's already done that and subscribe to us on uh, youtube make sure you share it with a friend send in your questions and comments for the next beach step and podcast email them in no dunks at the athletic.com tweet them in at no dunks inc that's inc on twitter and finally go grab your no dunks merch over at no dunks.com t-shirts hoodies shorts coffee mugs we got it all over there so no dunks.com for your no dunks merch okay boys how's everybody doing how was the weekend trey you were uh, out on a lake of some sort you caught something right yeah, I just caught one little bass yesterday, Skeets, but as soon as we're done recording a classic here, gonna go rip some more out of that pond, baby, hopefully a five-pounder. All right, well, good That's luck. Right. You may not be out on that lake for a couple hours, because we got a lot to talk about here. We got a <laughs> lot of games. That's right. Every series to touch on, so let's get into it. We'll start in the Eastern Conference, and we'll make our way to the West. That's how we'll break it up here, but we had... Two games between the Hawks and the Knicks, and I'll just lump them together, Tass, because Friday and then Sunday, Trey Young, really, leading the Hawks to the 105-94 victory, and then on Sunday, the 113-96 win over the Knicks, and Atlanta takes the uh, very impressive here 3-1 series lead. What's the big takeaway, Tass? Well, it's becoming a bit of a disappointing series. We're all sort of looking forward to it, but it's, it's very clear that the Knicks just can't score enough to stay with these talented Atlanta Hawks, right? It it wasn't like the Atlanta Hawks had an incredible shooting night on Sunday to take a commanding 3-1 series lead, but they pulled away in the third quarter because they had a 30-point quarter, the only 30-point quarter of the game from either side, and the Knicks, they can't handle that. They they can't keep up with that, and it's all about Julius Randle obviously not playing like his all-star self. You look at the starting lineup that they're rolling out there, Julius Randle, Derrick Rose, R.J. Barrett, Reggie Bullock, and Taj Gibson. Rose and Barrett did what they're supposed to do, 18 and 21, respectively. Reggie Bullock and Taj Gibson combined for six points. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's not crazy that you get six points. I know it's not good, uh, but that's not the crazy part. The crazy part is that Julius Randle doesn't look like that all-star self. And I, I don't buy that it's the defense forcing him this way or that way because he's a one-on-one guy, and he just... Maybe this is too much to handle here in his first postseason. Maybe he just hasn't handled it well. Maybe if he started on the road, it would have been different without the pressures of home court. I just know that this Hawks team uh, is is not afraid of this Knicks team. If the Knicks can't score, the Hawks are going to find a way. I thought the Hawks 
at the beginning of the season maybe had too many good players, but they're utilizing them perfectly now, especially with Chris Dunn uh, not being part of the rotation and, and an injury to Cam Reddish. And then you got Danilo Gallinari. Speaking of the, their depth, $20 million man having his first uh, really good game in the playoffs, 21 points off the bench, and that's too much for the Knicks to handle. And I, I also wonder about Tom Thibodeau. We're not really questioning his defense on Trey Young because they're not really making him work, work extremely hard. Not at all. I mean, they are pushing him out. You see those deep, deep threes he's taking. Like, they are running a second guy. They just don't really have a guy to to make him work. I mean, that was a worry coming into this this playoffs because their their best defensive players aren't necessarily their guards. You know, Derrick Rose is starting now. It's, it's, it's not ideal for them. You don't see an Alex Caruso taking out Devin Booker like you see in that Suns-Lakers series that we'll get to a little bit later. They just don't really have, have the personnel. They're not really hounding him a lot. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, we'll see him in the next series when he faces Ben Simmons, most likely. It'll most likely Ooh. be Hawks, Sixers. We'll get to that a little later. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Hawks are just, they're too much to handle for this team that can't score. And they've got a pretty good environment there in State Farm Arena. Am I right, Lee? You're down there for game three. I mean, that was uh, oh, home court advantage. It was absolutely bumping down there. I have to say, uh, it was an incredible atmosphere down there. You know, wow. we've lived in Atlanta here for like eight years, and we've been to a ton of games. And oftentimes, even in the playoffs, it doesn't have all that much electricity down there. It's not even sold out a lot of times. But Friday night, it was. The, it felt like everyone was in their seat 10 minutes before the game even tipped off, which is just something that's never happened here well, in Atlanta. Well, that's because the game didn't tip off. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, uh, maybe that's well, it. 16, yeah. <laughs> Bullseye. But, but in, in, in terms of, uh, in terms of the, uh, the fan uh, sort of participation and interest and energy, it really did help, I think, because that first quarter was a bit of a slog and the Knicks actually led at the end of that first quarter. But in the second quarter, when things got going, you could just feel, especially the younger guys, you know, Trey Young and John Collins really... Uh, feeding off that energy and it was great and I have to say I think you know the the Trey Young stuff what I noticed and and you always notice things a little bit differently when you're in person versus watching it on TV what he's really really good at it's a Steve Nash like quality is keeping his dribble alive Mm. and because I think the Knicks did try to throw extra sort of bodies at him and he sort of saw that coming he was almost expecting it and he was waiting and waiting and waiting really patient with his offense and he'd move the ball around and the big difference between game three and game two was guys like Gallinari and Bogdanovich hitting those threes and when Trey has that shooting around him. It just makes their offense so much better. And Trey is, again, he, he takes those shots when they're there for him. He goes inside. He's got that little floater. But he passes with confidence knowing those guys can knock them down. And then I thought a really big uh, improvement as well for the Hawks on the defensive end is their defensive uh, rebounding presence, especially, again, someone like Bogdanovich, who we don't necessarily think of as a great defender or rebounder. He had eight rebounds on Friday night. And I just watched him and I noticed that he had the job on Derek Rose. A lot of times when the shot went up, he waited there to make sure they secured the rebound. So those sorts of little um, attention to detail things, I think, on the defensive end have really helped the Hawks because outside of Derek Rose, the Knicks absolutely haven't had anyone. Julius has struggled. And then guys like Barrett, you know, you expect him to sort of be a catch-and-shoot guy. He hasn't really been able to create for himself. So uh, all these things, I think, are factoring into it. And that, and Julius Randle, what he's been doing as well, is gets caught in the air a little bit too much. He sort of goes into lane, he jumps, and then he's not quite sure where to pass it, and the, and the Hawks are ready for it. So uh, I, I was very, very impressed with Atlanta's two games over this weekend. Uh, I thought they played fantastic at both ends of the floor. And I mean, you know, the Knicks could drag this out uh, to six games, but certainly the Hawks should feel that they can uh, close it out from here, even though, of course, uh, the Knicks could potentially still have two games at home. 
Yeah, the Knicks may not have like a defensive answer for trying to figure out Trey Young and slow him down. I mean, he's an unbelievable offensive talent. But what about the other side, TK? Do you think they're like letting Trey Young just hang out on Reggie Bullock and not really put him in any action on that end of the floor? And I'm with you, Tass. It really feels like time, especially with Randall struggling. It's like it's like Derrick Rose versus the Hawks, it feels like, when you watch some of these games. Like he is 2011 Bulls all over again. Need, the right? Derrick Rose show, only now we're 10 years deeper into his career. That's a big ask. Like, Derrick Rose has had an impressive season as a sixth man, and he helped keep the Knicks competitive for the entirety of the second half of the season. But asking him to go out there and be his MVP self again, that's a tough ask for Derrick Rose. And yeah, you're right, Skeets. I think that Tibbs could put Trey Young into some more pick and rolls, get him involved in some more actions, just make him work a little bit harder on the defensive end to hopefully take his legs out on the offensive end because yep. the Hawks were so good this weekend that I don't even think Lee got to wear his Knicks jersey <laughs> down there at the Fortress. They smacked him every single game, three and four here. And it really looks like the Hawks are out nixing the Knicks. They're playing tougher. They're playing more physical. Like Lee said, they won the rebounding battle. They've just been more into these games basically for the entirety of the series. And maybe a lot of that is Julius Randle's struggles. You know, for the whole season, the thing was saying, there's no way this guy's going to be able to make these shots for the entire year. There's no way he's going to be able to make these plays for the entire year. But he did it for the whole regular season. That was very impressive. He won most improved player. But now he's regressing to the mean a little bit. Struggling to get these jump shots down. Uh, playing a little bit tougher. Getting fewer calls. And yeah, John Collins... Called him out last week, Skeets, but yeah. took a shot to the lip, got some stitches, came back. He hasn't had a huge game yet, but he's been tough out there. He's taken some bumps from Randall, and what he's done has been impressive to kind of just fit in and do exactly what the Hawks need to get these wins. Yeah. So what do you think happens moving forward in this series, Tess? Uh, you know, I think we're agreeing that the Hawks appear to be just the more talented team, definitely offensively, in terms of just scoring the ball. We thought that coming in, but can the Knicks, like, bring this back to Atlanta? Can Lee have one more chance to maybe wear a Knicks jersey? down at the fortress underneath a Hawks jersey? Uh, what do you think? I hope so. I hope we get yeah. a game six because uh, the way uh, Lee hypes up this crowd, uh, I want to go see it in person too, Friday night. I want to see it. I, I, you know, sometimes you see the videos and sometimes, you know, they, they do a really good job of grabbing grabbing the super fans, grabbing the Hawks bros, grabbing right. Larry, yeah. Luke, and the boys. And, <laughs> and it's it's loud, no doubt. It yeah. was bumping, you know, when Sir Foster's got the beats playing. <laughs> The, the crowd's going, um, and, and, and the lighting looks amazing, but, I, I, you know, I, actually just watching it, and whenever they grabbed uh, the, the footage uh, or sort of the shots of the fans, I was pumped to see it, but I do want to see it in person, so right. I do want to see them drag it out to six games. But, yeah, I don't think all of a sudden the, the faucet's just going to turn on for Julius Randle. It just doesn't seem like that's happening, and that's right. the key. That really is the key. Uh, I don't think you can expect anything offensively from Reggie Bullock and Tosh Gibson other than, you know, the random three from Bullock, but uh, it's well, not going to happen from Tosh Gibson. Tosh He's Gibson, playing well. Well, yeah, but he... It's uh, not an offensive was, weapon. He, he uh, defensively, though, I mean, the Hawks a couple of times, again, like they ran that play where basically Trey Young's at the high post there. He passes a ball into Collins and then they just throw it to Capella and he just dunks it easy enough because Taj Gibson's a solid vet, but athletically and, and he's just not quick enough to keep up with those guys. And that's there all day long uh, for the Hawks. And also John Collins, I think as well, they just got him some shots early. They tried to get his confidence going early in game three and you could see he stayed a little bit out of foul trouble uh, and he was ready to go. I can also confirm 100% Sir mm -hmm. Foster is absolutely jacked. Oh, nice. <laughs> 
he, I, I saw him a couple of times. I was like, oh my, I've got to get a photo. But he was just a little. I was up in the uh, in the upper lower bowl area, and he was down on the court. And I was like, I can't get a good shot of him. But my God, he was. Oh, he spent his uh, quarantine, I think, in the gym. I can tell nice. you that much. He's looking enormous. This guy looks good having sex. Am I right? Oh my god, he does. He does. So, hey Lee, uh, yeah. did you you went standing room only? Is that what you did with your ticket I, on Friday night? And you didn't yeah. go Sunday. You could, you were talking about maybe. I was. Uh, yeah, I was going to go Sunday, uh, but it was the one o'clock uh, tip off. Uh, I wanted to take the boys, but I also wanted to go standing room. Standing room is not great for kids, I'll say that. But yeah. uh, for, for, a, for a, a single adult, it's great. Um, the only problem is I got a great spot. I couldn't go and buy a beer. I couldn't go to the toilet because I knew there was a few vultures behind me. They were waiting. Oh. They were waiting for me to move. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to stand You firm. didn't even get your pizza that takes 80 minutes to, no, to make? No, no. Oh. I, 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 chose, I chose not it's to get bummer. the pizza, the flatbread this time. Wow. Um, Seats over snacks. <laughs> I, I, I have to say standing room is uh, is a great way to watch the game because you can you just sort of maneuver to get a good position. And when you get it, you do not want to move from that. So uh, You're it, the new box great. out kid, are you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, <laughs> right. you know, that's the thing. I, there was even a there was a couple next to me and I thought maybe I can just say then can you guys just spread out a little bit but it's like yeah, I don't know I just know I could just feel the presence behind me people are like that guy's got a good spot I'm going to snap it if he goes wow. good for you good exactly. for you you got some nice grams up uh, that was oh my thing. god it was uh, and, and I, I tweeted this and I put it on my Instagram as well like it just felt amazing to be back at a live game a playoff game it really sure. did like um, like the, the, the atmosphere the vibes the fact that the team the home team won as well and and I mean I was riding up and down with a few of those baskets in the third quarter and even in the fourth quarter the Knicks had a chance they had I think it was a Rose missed one I think Barrett hit, missed one that could have made it a single digits game yeah. nervous little moment there they missed them and then the Hawks sort of uh, stretched it out but man, I was up and down. I was up and down with the Hawks. It was, uh, <laughs> I was way more sort of like physically emotional about this game than I thought I was going to be. It was just you uh, mean up and just... down. You were standing, and then you would do a squat, and then you I would, would. Stand, I was you like, would do a squat. Oh, wow. Oh wow. And then I was down. Oh my god. Come wow. On. So, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was great, and that, that's the thing. I wanted to go back yesterday, but I was like, nah, it's a little, I'll, I'll wait. There'll be there'll be more playoff games down here in the fortress, so uh, we'll be back. Um, what do you what do you think, Trey? With Game Five, like earlier in the week, do you think the Hawks can can win this on the road and close out this series, or, or will the Knicks have a little fight left in them there and bring this back to Atlanta? What do you think? I hope the Knicks have a little fight in them to bring this back to Atlanta. The Garden has been rocking. They're going to be ready for Trey Young to come back after the way games one and two went down, after the way games three and four went down. Obviously, it's a must-win game for the Knicks. I would imagine we're coming back here for game six, Mm. uh, but it's all going to come down to if the Knicks can actually make shots because they just haven't been good enough offensively yet. Put Trey Young in some more pick and rolls. Make him work really hard. Let's see him have a bad game in the Garden and then have Garden fans get all over him. That would be exciting for the Knicks fans, and that's exactly what they're going to need to pull off a win in Game 5. Yeah, we will see. Friday night would be Game 6. Maybe we'll all buy some standing room only tickets if it happens. But the Hawks are playing loose right now. That's the the beauty. They got a lot of confidence. Everybody's contributing, like you said there, Tass. So, I don't know. I mean, you could see them, of course, closing this out in Madison Square Garden. They're the better team. I thought this thing was going 7 from the jump. I said it for weeks. And, uh, you know, the Hawks have, like, dominated them for, for the most part, especially here in Atlanta they have. So we'll see what happens uh, early this week. It should be a fun game. Madison Square Garden will obviously uh, give it their all to try and get it back here in Atlanta. Um, but, you know, it has been – I guess it's just been a disappointing in the series that we thought maybe we'd have some closer games. Look, we had a lot of, blow- we had a lot of blowouts this weekend. <laughs> there were not a ton of uh, close games or, you know, like, ooh, final couple minutes here. This is going to be tight. Like, 
In fact, did we have any games that were like that? I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. There were very, very few. So hopefully we the get some Jazz Grizzlies week. we'll get to a little later. Yeah, okay, that, that went one. down to the That one got down to the wire. You're right. Yeah. Okay, well, let's Yeah, and uh, Lee, I actually did a little research here. A fan sent in a picture of you when you were up and down during that <laughs> Hawks game. <laughs> 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 That's Classic. the down. You still look up, though. You know, you still look pretty happy to be down there. Open up the comeback was on. Yeah. Oh, man. What a great day. What a great night it was. So glad I went. You know, okay. it's just worth it. I, and I did, uh, they I sold, they sold a lot more uh, standing room tickets from games three to games four. I guess you were really uh, spreading out your arms there, and they realized, oh, <laughs> we could fit a couple more people in here. They fit. A, I think they sold another... 700 seats approximately that's all is that right yeah 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 well i I will say um because your seat says standing room no none of the ushers know actually where that standing room (laughs) area technically (laughs) because i i I sort of just assumed it was there but i thought i better just check and they're like where is standing room they're like huh that's a great question never had this problem in atlanta before Hmm. i asked uh our buddy jared who was there on friday night i was like be honest with me how many knicks fans were there because we were thinking will it be 50 50 60 40 whatever and uh he said easily it was like, and Lee, you can confirm this or not, like he said 80% Hawks fans going nuts and maybe 20% Knicks fans. And it just helped that the Hawks had a great game, yeah. you know, took control of the game, and then they sort of quieted the uh, 20% of New York fans. Is that fair, yeah. would you say? Well, I guess it depends where you were as well. Where yeah, I man. was, there, there actually felt like there were a lot more Knicks fans. It wasn't. It was closer to that percentage than I thought it was going to be. I definitely think the Hawks outnumbered them. And yeah. even Cassidy Hubbath, who was there for uh, ABC ESPN, said yesterday there was way more Knicks fans in attendance so mm. she had a, a probably better a better view of the crowd better feeling but where I was there were just a ton of Knicks fans so uh, it, it I think also helped that atmosphere because they, they were going up and down on free throw points they were like sure. yes like this so I think that maybe contributed to the atmosphere oh yeah we've, we've said that before it actually makes for a fun for game sure. when you have like the opposition in the crowd or a good chunk of people in the crowd and they're going back and forth oh that's great I'm glad you enjoyed yourself I loved seeing your grams had been a FOMO Instead, I ordered Popeye's chicken and watched the game with my oh buddy Grish. It was fine. It was great. But, uh, you know, I was, it was, I was a little jealous when I saw your grams. I was like, oh, I got to get out to a game. Can't wait. Yeah. Maybe this Friday. We'll see. Uh, let's keep it going. Man, we're running along here on that one game. Let's go to Sunday. Uh, again, two games played between these two teams, the Nets and the Celtics. But on Sunday especially, the Nets' big three, they just quieted the Boston crowd. 141 to 126, and they take the 3-1 series lead. Um, there's some extracurricular things to talk about with this one as well, Lily. but I don't know where you want to start with the Nets mm. going up 3-1. Yeah, unfortunately, we will get to that later on. Uh, another stupid fan. <laughs> but the Celtics on Friday night scored 125 points and won, and yesterday 126 and they lost, and that's just the way it goes against the Nets. You, mm. you get a chance to score. You know, Jason Tatum put up a 50-banger on uh, Friday night and extended the series. I'm sort of surprised we're even still talking about this series because uh, yeah. I think most of us thought it was going to be a sweep, especially... Um, you know, yesterday, well, yesterday they lost that game, but no Kemba Walker, no Robert Williams, which made the job even harder. Um, but uh, really for the for the Nets, it was like, all right, we weren't expecting to lose that game three. So yesterday, game four, they went out and it was Durant and it was Kyrie and James Harden. And uh, look, the Nets went 29 for 30 from the free throw line yesterday. James Harden missed the last free throw. They were 29 for 29 <laughs> at the free throw line. So uh, practice your free throws, kids. But but ultimately, you know, I think the Nets were kind of like expecting as well on Friday. Like, we're just going to we're gonna win this game. Uh, and the Celtics took it. And now they go back to Brooklyn and have to close it out. They will do that uh, because uh, Brooklyn are simply even more shorthanded than they were at the start of the series. You know, good fight from Boston. I like the fact that they've sort of been able to at least make it 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It wasn't really that interesting yesterday, but uh, for the Nets, they're just now looking forward, I think, to their uh, their series against the Milwaukee Bucks, who, who are going to have plenty of time to rest and get ready. Uh, not much to take out of it other than just a team with superstars really did dominate yesterday. They just don't play as much defense as they had to play on Friday night. And uh, it's pretty ominous when you just see those guys. They can all score and they can all shoot uh, like we've seen from them all season. And I don't think there's any real chemistry issues. I think just Friday night, they just kind of were a bit complacent. That's all it was. Yeah. Um, well, they got up it, like, what, 19-4 in that game on Friday yeah. night too? It was like, oh, okay, well, this might be a wrap. But you're right. Credit to the Celtics for showing a little fight. And Tatum was awesome in that game. He was, he was the best player in game three, but... In Game Four, they had the Nets had what three or four or five of the best players in that game, yeah. at least three of them. I mean, I was uh, I was tweeting at Stat Muse and Stat Heads and ESPN <laughs> Stats and Info last night watching the Nets. I'm like, have we ever had three guys score 30 plus points in the same playoff game? I know that's happened in the regular season. I think your Bulls once did it, Trey. You had a weird Zach Levine. Otto Porter Jr. and Lowry Markkinen all scored 30 in some crazy overtime game in the regular season once. But I anyway, was going to say, not in the playoffs no, if it's no, those guys. It never happened in the playoffs, though, is uh, what people yeah. were writing back to me. Because um, it looked like it was going to happen at the half. I mean, if it was just like, well, if Harden wants to turn it on and go for 30, they'll get there. But he came up short. But anyway, what's your takeaway, Trey, from this one? What kind of takeaways can you have? I mean, a great game in Game 3. That was the exciting thing, was that Jason Tatum gave us a Jason Tatum game in the playoffs. He went for the trifecta, had a 50-point game in the regular season, a 50-point game in the play-in tournament, Mm -hmm. and a 50-point game in the playoffs. First guy to ever do that. (laughs) A record-setting season for the Beantown boys. But, you know, when uh, the Nets got smacked on Friday night, so like Lee's saying... Unlike the Dallas Mavericks responding after the Clippers won game three, the Nets came back and just smashed it. I mean, they're a great team. They look like they're, I don't know, both all three of the teams in the Eastern Conference at the top of the conference have looked great in the playoffs yeah. so far. Their competition hasn't been the best, but the top three seeds have looked incredible. And, you know, the Nets just have a lot of guys who can score. It, it <laughs> seems that, like, they didn't get to it, the 30-point game for three straight, or for three different players but it's possible. The oh, only question will be definitely. is if a team can score with them yeah. long enough to keep all of their stars in the game because it certainly could happen. Yeah. Or, no. or if it's Joe Harris who's the 30-point. Sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just uh, – nothing to take away other than Kevin Durant said after the game where there, there was the incident where somebody from the crowd threw a plastic bottle at – Uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant said, you know, these Boston fans, I don't want to see them again. We're not coming back here. And so it's over. You know, when one of your leaders says that, I I do not think there's much of a chance that that the Celtics can can win in Brooklyn here. It's over. Yeah, Durant uh, had a lot to say, rightfully, about that guy throwing the bottle who has been arrested, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they saw him, they caught him, they took him out. Um, Katie said, we are not animals. We are not in the circus. You coming to the game is not all about you as a fan. So have some respect for the game. Have some respect for the human beings and have some respect for yourself. I thought this was a well said here uh, from oh, yeah. Durant. That is spot on. This is, a you know, this recent... Uh, Incident is just a slew of instances of fans throwing items or spitting on guys and all this crap. Uh, it's, it's disgusting. Now, I don't know what you guys think of this whole, whoa, look what Kyrie was doing. He stepped on a logo at half. Uh, and that makes it okay to some people. Um, I don't think those uh, equal each other, Lily. Uh, maybe you have a different opinion. I don't think you would. No. But, uh, 
Yeah, some people are trying to say, well, I, you know, look, is it disrespectful what Kyrie did? <laughs> Stepping on a cartoon leprechaun's head? You don't step on some a people might think it is, but even if it is, I don't think uh, that I don't. I think most of us agree that doesn't mean you can go ahead and chuck something at a player. That's no, uh, pretty and, embarrassing. Uh, Malika Andrews is reporting today that the person has been charged uh, with assault and mm. battery by means of a dangerous weapon for throwing a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. Now, again, people are saying, "Well, you know, it's only a water bottle, whatever." But I think no. But I think I think the league and the NBA uh, and the Celtics have to basically send a message to people now, saying you are banned for life because right now this sort of indefinite ban maybe it's just not enough of a deterrent for fans, you know, because we've seen the the fans spitting on uh, Trey Young last week uh, and the popcorn incident with. Russell Westbrook. So maybe fans are like, uh, they're not really going to enforce anything, so who cares? But to throw a, an object like that, again, I mean, it's it's, it's not going to knock him out, but it's just that stupidity and the sort of like, it, what's next? You know, right. and I think that's I think that's also what uh, Kevin Durant and, and, and those guys are alluding to. It's like, if you don't really come down and drop the hammer on these guys now, then someone is going to go too far, especially maybe it's a, a, an elimination game and their team gets uh, knocked out and then someone's like, had a few beers and like, I don't care, I'm just going to do something stupid. So just just beyond pathetic, um, you know, to find any sort of reasoning behind the, this logo uh, stomp that Kyrie did is just absurd to me right. that people can be so uh, offended by that. I mean... Uh, yeah, he's a former player. He used to play there. He said some things about the Celtics, but that there's no justification for for throwing anything at him. And um, and and he's right. Kevin and Kyrie are right about what they're saying. These, these are not zoo animals. This is a game. You're there. You pay your money, uh, and you're supposed to enjoy yourself. And, and once you step over that line of throwing any object at the players, as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, one strike and you're out. Well, yeah, and that's what's happening. These losers are just provoking. They're trying to provoke these players. They're poking yeah. them. They're poking them. Poking them. You know, to go back to like your zoo analogy, there. Well, yeah, you're going to do that to the bear or the lion, and then the lion is what they almost want to is going to attack you. Well, then what's going to happen? Obviously, like a Kyrie or whoever would go up there. We'd have a Metal World Peace again around our test, and then they're suspended for the league. And I guess that fan then got what they wanted, even though we'd all love to see them get their asses kicked by some of these players. Uh, that would be fantastic. We think they should just come out to center court and let them have at it and see if they would do it in person, right face-to-face. But, uh, yeah, at least he's going to be charged here in all this. Um, what, do you, what do you make of the, the logo part of this, Trey? Much ado about nothing here. Um, and maybe let, the, maybe let the Celtics try and, you know, uh, save face by trying to beat the team instead of uh, the, the mighty fans throwing a water bottle. Yeah, exactly right. Who cares about stepping on a logo? It happens thousands of times a game. These guys run back and forth all over that man's face, that leprechaun man's face. It's just shameful stuff, honestly. We've had fans back in stands at full capacity for a week, and we've had four incidents already. It's honestly ridiculous. I also loved what Kevin Durant said. Your mother wouldn't be proud of Mm. you throwing water bottles at basketball players or spitting on players or tossing popcorn. Grow the f*** up and enjoy the game. Friday was fine. Celtics fans were just taunting Kyrie. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It's okay to not like somebody. It's okay to say you suck. It's okay to curse at them. Just don't throw stuff at people. Just be like a normal human being and not like somebody. Everybody doesn't like somebody, but you don't have to fight them about it. (laughs) It's It's very unfortunate because, as you said, game three was fine. This is one terrible, terrible seed in the bunch. It's just acting like a child. Like, forget about the zoo analogy. I've made a couple children in my life here, and if if, if those kids threw a bottle at somebody, uh, they wouldn't be allowed in the building. They would have an indefinite ban from my house for a long period of time, and they're kids. I mean, you don't throw an, you don't you just don't 
You just don't. And this whole leprechaun thing, uh, come on. I mean, if this was, if this wasn't uh, a part, if the bottle situation wasn't a part of this leprechaun uh, walking on the leprechaun's face, uh, then it would sort of just be, you know, your typical playoff hijinks, right? People would be mad about it. We'd be, we'd be talking about it. Oh, he stepped on the leprechaun. Yeah. A hundred bad years of luck. A hundred uh, luck for a uh, bad luck for a hundred years. You know, like. Just, just normal stuff in playoff <laughs> lore, you know. But this is just—it's just dumb to, to equate it. I mean, there's no, there's nothing, there's mm. nothing there. Like, absolutely nothing. Just don't be an idiot. That's the, it. The leprechaun's name is Lucky, too, isn't it? <laughs> if you step on a leprechaun's <laughs> face, it's a hundred years of bad luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just pointing that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe Kyrie will never hit a shot for the rest of his life here. Maybe that's the thing that I'll take from this. Yeah, just stop being idiots and damn fans. And, uh, you know, again, I said this last time with the whole popcorn thing and the spitting. It's like, put these people's names everywhere, man. I want to see it. I want to know who they are. I want them, like, throwing stuff at people, spitting on people. There should be repercussions more than just like, oh, you can't come to an NBA game uh, ever again, in my opinion. Uh, let's keep it going here. Saturday, Embiid and the 76ers crushed the Wizards. They take the 3-0 series lead. This one's looking closer and closer to being over. Um, I don't think there's a ton of takeaways from this either. Joel Embiid was awesome. Scored 25 in the first half. Finished 14 of 18 from the floor in 28 minutes. Didn't play the entire fourth quarter. He finished with a career playoff high of six, uh, 36 points. Actually caught me by surprise. That's his play. That was a grade. little low as well. Totally. Yeah. I was like, what? 36? I'm like, well, he did have to play against Marcus Gasol a couple times there. Oh, who got oh. the best of him. But uh, yeah, 36 for him. Sixers shot 59% from the floor, 51.5% from three. They're just the better team. They're moving on. I can't wait to see them against very likely the Hawks. I am so excited to see Ben Simmons try and slow down like a Trey Young. That'll be awesome. And just like the, uh, the game within the game there. But let's just do a quick check-in on Davis Bertans, shall we? Um, yes. Got the start in this one, okay? Played 32 minutes, got a lot of burn. Shot two for six from the floor, one for five from distance. Um, that is his best skill, by the way. Uh, but he helped out in other areas, I'm sure, right? Zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. Had a couple turnovers. A minus 34 out there. And... Uh, I mean, I'm poking fun at him. Again, he can catch fire. He can hit a bunch of threes every once in a while. But this guy's locked up until 2024-25. It's a contract we're almost familiar with, guys. Um, That is in the distance at 16 mil per Right. Well, he does have an early termination option for that last year. Maybe well, he'll uh, maybe he'll give some money back. I'm just saying, he, he was not that helping. fan in Boston should be locked up until 2024. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but just anyway, yeah, the Wizards just uh, yeah, they're they're outclassed here, and most people had Sixers in a sweep, maybe five. I went five. You know, maybe Beal or Westbrook can put it together for one game. It's not looking likely though, Lily. This one, uh, I assume, is over in Game Four. The Wizards won their championship by just making the playoffs this season. That was it. You know, they looked dead and buried, looked like they weren't even going to make the play-in tournament. So to get to where they got to was a pretty good result in the end. And they're starting to almost like play like that now because outside of Beal, I mean, Westbrook had a triple-double, but they're just not getting up. It's more just like, well, we made the playoffs, guys. That was pretty good. So we can't beat this team. We don't have enough uh, weapons as, you know, they're too good. And Scott Brooks, I think, is also trying to lay the foundation to get a contract extension by saying... Man, Joel Embiid, he's playing at an MVP level. No one. I can't imagine anyone playing better than him right now. Basically saying no team could do any better than what we have done right now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
Maybe this is a classic gentleman sweep here, but even that is uh, just very tough to sell yourself on. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, for the Wizards, better than better end to the season than I was expecting. Just as far as uh, being still in the in the league right now, I thought they were uh, dead and buried about you know two months ago, but they they fought back. So uh, that's a good result for them. But uh, they've got no chance. They had no chance anyway in this series. It's just now whether or not they can. Uh, drag it out for another game but yeah probably not they're likely going to be swept and let's just move on from that because it's uh (laughs) one of the more uh, depressing series in the sense they're just completely outclassed so let's go to a team that caught us by surprise that got swept uh our final eastern conference playoff uh, series matchup here or it was saturday the bucks took care of the heat 120 103 and they are moving on to round two swept the heat tk uh i mean no one that i saw had that prediction Tons of people, of course, have the Bucks, but nobody thinking this would be a 4-0 domination, too, after that game one that they pulled out in overtime. Just killed them the last three games. This big dumb idiot picked the Heat to win the series. <laughs> Not good. What a difference a season makes, Skeetsington. Last year, after the Bucks played the Heat, they were eliminated. Lots of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Is Giannis going to leave? Will Bud be fired? Will anything ever change from Milwaukee? This year after playing the Heat, quite a different story. The Bucks wanted the revenge matchup. Like you're saying, they didn't run from it and they straight up dominated it. Game one was close. Then three straight blowouts. Game four, the Bryn Forbes game remix. What? 22 points, seven threes. He had 22 points and six threes in game two. Not only were the Bucks great in this series, they got two Bryn Forbes games. <laughs> so good. Bryn Forbes ended up outscoring Jimmy Butler in the entire series. Wow. Stupidly locked in, more like stupidly locked down, Jimmy. (laughs) 14 points per game on 29% shooting. The Bucks were so good in this series, even I got to trash talk Jimmy Butler. It hurts. Bucks were better than anybody could have asked for in round one, so... I don't know. They're, you got to be feeling great if you're a, a Bucks fan right now. They answered all of the questions about last year in dominating fashion, more yeah. so than you could have ever ha- hoped for. It's like, a, I don't know. I just think back to that quote from Giannis before the series was starting. And yeah. he's just like, he's just playing it so cool. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows if anything will be different? And then they just destroyed the heat. Impressive stuff. From Milwaukee. Yeah, we're obviously we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, I can't wait to like try and predict and break down a second round Nets Bucks matchup task. Like this is like with the way they're playing, how they've looked in both of their series. Uh, I mean, a lot of people think maybe will that be the actual series of the entire playoffs with the way these teams are playing right now and some of the defensive you know guys that at least the Bucks can try and put on the uh, big three of uh, Brooklyn and slow them a little bit is that even possible I mean I'm I'm hyped for it I know we'll get to it later when we actually have the series but uh any takeaways from from the Bucks uh looking dominant or even the heat and what they do in questions surrounding them in the offseason now They've got a ton of free agents coming up this offseason. Uh, a lot of them starts even with uh, Victor Oladipo. I mean, they, they traded for him to probably be a part of the future, but now he's injured. Uh, there's a lot of questions there. I just even go back, uh, as Trey goes back to before the series, go back to game one where Chris Middleton had to hit a game winner, mm-hmm. and then this series obviously turned uh, very, very poorly for the Miami Heat after that. If they somehow squeeze out that one win, which... They could have, and that, that was the game where Yanis was at the free throw line and, and got the 10-second free throw violation there at the end of the fourth quarter. 
This series could be entirely different if they get some confidence in that one stinking game. Every possession matters. Every 10-second violation matters. And uh, things can change so drastically. And then, obviously, yeah, they get they get absolutely destroyed the last three games. It wasn't even freaking close. close. No, it's real, real unfortunate that, yeah, we were hyped for this series. We should have been hyped for this series. And then the Heat, yeah, very different team than last year. And, yeah, they're going to be very different next year with – all these guys uh, that that are up for free agency, uh, you know, they've they've got their their big stars locked in. But uh, what are they gonna do? I, th- I think they've they've planned pretty well. Pat Riley's planned pretty well. You lock up your Jimmys, you lock up your Bams, and then uh, yeah, lots of guys that they can try and attract, or lots of room uh, to attract another big name. Like uh, everyone expects Miami to be able to do, and they have uh, that capability anyway. Yeah, anything to add here, Lee, about this series or the Heat or whatever you want to go? Well, just one point from both teams is uh, the Bucks are going to be without, without Dante DiVincenzo for the remainder of the playoffs. Now, he wasn't having a great series, but he's had a good season for them. And it mm-hmm. hurts their depth a little bit. Him and Pat Connaughton kind of interchangeable there. So that's a little bit of a, uh, a blow there for the Bucks moving forward. Um, and also for Jimmy Butler, just sort of to pile on a little bit here for him because he was just embarrassingly bad. Uh, 29% from the field from the uh, this series and 26% from downtown. I mean, 30 rebounds and 28 assists, one block. I mean, just a non-factor, really. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he, he got the Jason Kidd triple-double on uh, Saturday, which obviously doesn't mean anything. But, uh, really, I, I can't believe he was so bad in this series and so um, unimpactful. Is that a yeah. word? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> But really, and, and I was super impressed and happy for Budenholzer and the Bucks because they did have some serious questions going into this series, uh, and they answered them all so far. So they now go in, and they beat the uh, Nets in their last two regular season games too. So they're going to feel pretty good about this. The Nets will have home court advantage, of course, but yeah. should be a banger of a series. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess Jimmy probably wins the award for most disappointing Heat player in the series, but I think Bam would get some consideration. Tyler Hero has to be in the mix. Trevor Ariza got embarrassed, uh, and I wonder how much uh, more Trevor Ariza we're going to see in the league um, as he gets up there in age. Uh, yeah, no shortage of guys, I guess, trade to sort of go around. No, no, everybody could take a little bit of blame for getting embarrassed here. And the Bucks are just awesome, is what we're learning here too, which is uh, going to be fun for the second series. It was so bad for the Heat that Tass was tweeting that they missed Kelly Olynyk, and he was a hundred percent right. Like it would have helped having Kelly Olynyk around. Basically, the Bucks said, "Jimmy, you try and beat us." And he couldn't. Yeah. Uh, but if you were to ask everybody that question, heading into overtime in game one after mm-hmm. Jimmy had just roasted Giannis going to the hoop to tie things up, maybe it's a different question. But the Bucks really responded after that basket. Obviously, Middleton gets the game winner uh, there at the end of overtime. And it was over for the Heat. As soon as they lost that game, it was basically over. And you do not see that from a Miami team. Very impressive stuff from Milwaukee. Yeah, we'll probably get into uh, looking at the Heat's offseason a little bit later in the week when we get like less games on because some of these series start wrapping up and we've got a little bit more time to do a deep dive on that. So maybe we'll get to that. But we got to take a break here and hear from our sponsors before we get to the Western Conference. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class 
or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Diti, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Yeah, uh, that was my bad there. I threw that up there, Tess, from Max. Did Tess just call a woman senor? <laughs> I didn't mean to. It, it, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I and think I, actually, I said senora. I meant to. Garcia. I meant to get ready for this one from Finn B. Uh, no Dunk's really secured the bag for this episode. <laughs> oh, you have no idea, Finn. Our Bomba socks are full of coins, man. <laughs> full of them. <laughs> Exactly right. All right, let's get to the uh, Western Conference. We've broke down all the East playoff matchups. Let's get to the West. We'll start with Sunday. Chris Paul and the Suns beating the Lakers 100-92 to to even the series. Uh, also coming out of this one, Anthony Davis injuring his groin. Tass, um, what's your big takeaway from the Suns-Lakers series that's tied at two games apiece? Yes, yeah, it's exciting. We're tied up at two. Uh, the joke earlier in the series was that Jay Crowder only woke up LeBron and the series is over. Well, maybe it's the opposite. Crowder had his first good offensive game of the series, 17 points. Maybe Crowder was rope-a-doping the Lakers. But more seriously, maybe Chris Paul was rope-a-doping us. The real story in this game is that Chris Paul had his best offensive game. We know his shoulder has been bang up. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to take threes. He still couldn't hit a three in this one, but he started to look like himself, scoring 18 points, getting into the mid-range, and firing it away. Apparently, before the game, him and Monty Williams had to have a discussion. Apparently, Chris Paul wasn't going to go. Monty Williams said, we're going to rest you. Get you back for, for the next game. But Chris Paul said, let me just see how I go in there. And he took 15 shots. Eight was his previous high in the series. So it started to feel good. That's obviously a great sign as they go back to Phoenix. Suns are getting healthier and the Lakers are going the opposite way. As you said, Skeets, Anthony Davis left this game early in the third quarter. He kind of landed awkwardly, tweaked the groin, which is scary. But it is day-to-day status up in the air for game five. And then, you know, Dennis Schroeder picked a horrible day uh, to, to have a bad one because LeBron needed some help. And as the Suns pulled away in the third, no one helped LeBron, especially didn't uh, help having Contavious Caldwell-Pope out. He yeah. had a uh, knee contusion, which is a bruise, as Marv Albert said on the broadcast <laughs> a few a few days ago. Uh, you know, saying bracket knee contusion is new in the NBA, and Marv Albert's just not having it. It's a bruise. <laughs> Do you get it? There we uh, go. <laughs> the Lakers even got their Marcus Soul game in this one, which is 12 points. But, uh, yeah. hey, Mark was chipping in, but... If I'm the Suns, I'm still concerned. I'm not. I'm not thinking that this this is their series whatsoever. Even though they're three and a half point favorites in Game Five, I'm worried about LeBron because at the end of this game, he was nodding. He was nodding. He was. He was thinking, okay, I, I get what you guys are doing to me. You got me to turn the ball over six times. They are crowding him more, uh, but uh, I, I think he'll be ready for Game Five and he'll be finding his guys who I think will be a little bit more ready. As I said, KCP hopefully back. Uh, I think the guys just around him will be ready to, to fire away a little bit more. And I think LeBron is, uh, he'll bounce back too. He had 25, 12, and six assists. 
solid, solid, solid game for him. But I think he'll bounce back with the, those six turnovers. So I, this this is still the Lakers series. I think it's still uh, the Lakers are, are the favorites for me. Obviously, the Anthony Davis situation is uh, throws a little wrench into it. But we got a three game set, and it wouldn't surprise me uh, if we go uh, we go seven back to uh, to Phoenix, and and then I'm betting on the King in that one. Is this a pivotal game five coming up, Lily? What do you think? <laughs> it's been every game in this series has been pivotal so far, so absolutely. But yeah, Chris Paul looked just a hundred million times better than he's looked uh, in games two or three in this series, and I think that's mostly the most important takeaway. Obviously, the Anthony Davis injury is huge, but and DeAndre Ayton I thought was actually very good yesterday. But the fact that Chris Paul can run and pass the ball and step into those little mid ranges, you saw him hit a couple there late in the fourth quarter when they just needed to keep the Lakers at bay. Mm-hmm. Looked like the Lakers, you know. I think they were down 18 in the fourth quarter, but it just sort of felt, you know, if they can't close this game out, then obviously the series is a wrap, but they were able to do that. So Chris Paul being Chris Paul is is huge. Now, what does it say for the rest of the series? It's still very hard to bet against LeBron. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Davis does miss that game because he didn't look when they showed him in the uh, tunnel after he sort of came off the court. He, he looked like he was really moving slowly there. So, uh Perhaps the Lakers do uh, go on air on the side of caution here, thinking and expecting to be going long into the series, into the playoffs, that maybe they sit him out for that game, knowing that uh, they're still, it's still LeBron, it's still the Lakers, they can still get out of this. But uh, I'm just happy that the Suns are still alive because uh, it looked douchebag sweep all over it. Uh, you really couldn't rely on, on Crowder and Chris Paul's health. And those two things were huge factors in game four. So uh, very happy that the Suns are still alive and uh, hope we do get a seven-game series. It'd be fun to see. Yeah, if AD can't play in game five, let's say, Trey, I, I, my gut says he'll give it a go, uh, that he'll he'll at least start and uh, see how the groin is feeling. And let's not forget, too, he sort of hyperextended his leg in game three. I mean, this guy picks Doing up some injuries after injuries. Uh, I saw Rod Benson um, who used to play in the NBA, had a long professional career uh, overseas. Big guy, 6'10". You know, he like sort of was tweeting about like, AD just like never learned how to land. Like he just struggles landing. And this is where he picks up a lot of these weird like knee buckling and pulling things and stuff. And I was like, oh, I never really thought of that. But I mean, he obviously speaks from experience. He's a giant dude in the NBA. And like, there is some skill to that. Uh, and then somebody was sending me an article about Joel Embiid was being talked about. Like he needs to learn how to land better and stuff. Like when you're that big, um, I mean, it is sort of a, a weird skill to maybe uh, to add to your repertoire there, just so you don't pick up these injuries. But anyway, if but the as, can't believe as, I'm going to say this, Skeets, it's not just big guys. Yeah. Even Dwayne Wade had to learn how to land sure. once upon a time. He took karate lessons to learn how to land <laughs> so that he would stop spraining his ankles by landing on people. You got to learn these moves because we've said it so many times. AD will leave a game quite often. Yes. Rarely does he not return to the game, though, and that's the difference here. Tables have turned a little bit in this series because now it looks like the Suns have the healthier two stars. Perhaps the supporting casts are well-matched. I don't think the Lakers have necessarily had a great uh, support game yet this playoffs, but they know their roles. Maybe you would say the Suns are a little deeper in the role players, but they're still there in their first year in the playoffs, so... Yeah, I mean, we're getting set up here for our first big LeBron game of the playoffs because they're going to need him to do something massive to get him easy buckets for Anthony Davis if he goes out there and tries to gut it out. So once, uh, like Tass is saying, we saw LeBron nodding there at the end. looks like he's going to get set up for a stone face here in game five, and they're going to need a huge game from him. They're going to need him to control the game rather than just kind of try and pick uh, the Suns apart. Yeah, that's exactly right. Everybody, now that it's 2-2, and if AD isn't, 
100% healthy, which he won't be, but even if he doesn't play or he does play in Game 5, everybody is expecting the 40-15-12 game here from LeBron in Game 5. Like, everybody is. Totally. But, you know, can, can Bridges and... Crowder and Craig, if he gets spot minutes, can they can they slow him down enough? And they can can they try and make can you keep LeBron out of the paint? That's the number one thing to watch for at the start of Game Five: is LeBron attacking? How aggressive is he? Or is he settling? And then is the jumper falling or not? I mean, yeah, I am hyped for this Game Five. Definitely pivotal, Magic Johnson. Um, and I think it is going seven. That was my prediction at the start of the series. I had the Lakers winning in seven, and I don't see why it wouldn't at this point. Knowing now Chris Paul is like at least looking like, okay, a lot more like the Chris Paul we saw in the regular season. Very excited for game five. Um, but yeah, in terms of predicting, like what type of LeBron game we're going to get. Well, you would usually bet on him having a monster game. But he's still going to need some help, right, Tass? Like you said, you need some of these other guys to hit shots. Gasol hit a couple. That was good. But will he do that again uh, in back-to-back games? Doesn't happen all that often with him. So uh, if you yeah, if you remember in the playoffs last year, Kentavious Caldwell Pope was their their yeah. third best scorer, and uh, even though Rajon Rondo claimed that he was the third most important player, I think KCP's scoring is really really important. He wasn't in this game; he he was out uh, with uh, the bruise slash contusion. So hopefully he's back for them. But yeah, I think it's it's rally around the king time. If if LeBron is serious, uh, those guys follow suit, right? Uh, you know your Carusos who had a bad shooting night. Uh, and, uh, yeah, KCP, if he's back. But, obviously, this is damn exciting to have a yeah. 2-2 series here between these two uh, these two juggernauts. And I got to mention Nair's comment uh, because it's a very good pun. Nair in the stream team says, Anthony Davis is still young. He's just experiencing growing pains. Growing oh. pains. <laughs> good one. <laughs> <laughs> Loves it, eh? You love growing nice. pains, didn't you? It's a good show. I did. I did, yeah. Alan Thick, rest in peace. That's uh, right. And yeah, it was Tracy Gold, Kirk Cameron, a Leonardo young Leo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, who I was think he, uh, he went who by was Leonardo? Yeah, I was, was going to say there was a boner, yeah. Yeah. I forget who played that guy. Mm. That wasn't Leo, right? No, no, he nah. wasn't. No, no. no. Boner was no. Uh, Mike's buddy. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt Cameron's buddy. Yeah, <laughs> he lived. Uh, remember when he lived above the garage? Yeah, his own place. That was a cool. I thought that was the coolest thing ever when I was a kid. It's like, wow, he lives above the garage. <laughs> I just thought it was awesome. <laughs> cool. We didn't have a garage, so uh, maybe that's why I thought it was cool. Uh, all right, so okay, we're very excited for uh, Game Five. Uh, obviously, earlier this week, but well, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with uh, Anthony Davis. I don't know, like. I guess what I was going to ask you before I went off on that weird tangent there about falling Trey was like, if AD didn't play in the rest of the series, would you still take the Lakers? Would you still take LeBron? Or would, in that case, would you go Suns? He's not playing anymore. That's the hypothetical. Where would you go then? That's a tough call. I mean, LeBron doesn't lose in the first round, but Aiton has been impressive in this series. And if he's going to be playing like, I don't know, a top 10, top 15 center in the league with Anthony Davis out... That would be tough, especially considering, like Lee's saying, in Game 4, Chris Paul looked the most like Chris Paul he has since basically the first half of Game 1. So, I mean, I would probably just pick LeBron because it is LeBron, but not a lot of confidence if that's the case. All right, well, let's go from one L.A. team to the other. Uh, Lakers losing, couple injuries there. Uh, Going a bit better for the other L.A. team as their stars in two games this weekend carried the Clippers, I'm talking Kawhi and Paul George for the most part there, in Dallas, 118-108 on Friday, 106-81 on Sunday, that was a blowout, and they have suddenly 
even this series at two games apiece. Coach Lou was right, Lily. Mm-hmm. Road the court advantage. advantage. That's right. What? Road court advantage. Uh, but anyway, what do you think of these games here from the Clips? Biggest weekend in Clippers slash Paul George history, and it turned out pretty well in the end for Paul George. Uh, the Clippers, they deserved all the ridicule and scorn after dropping those first two games at home. And when they were down 19 in the first quarter of game three, it looked like complete humiliation was coming up here for the Clippers. But now they deserve to be given respect for how they've rescued the series, probably their season by winning these last two in Dallas. And now, in a best-of-three situation, they should be able to win it from here, really. I mean, they are just playing much better. And, of course, it starts with their two stars, Kawhi and Paul, as you mentioned there. And also, for the Mavericks, two big problems. Luka Doncic has had some sort of weird neck injury uh, that he's picked up. Now, he's not making an excuse. He said he's 100%. Rick Carla said, no, he's injured. But Doncic, to be fair, had a huge game on Friday night when he got that injury. Uh, but also, you know, the questions that we had about the Clippers and their sort of supporting cast now get basically turned back on the Mavericks because the Mavericks, we they win their games on offense. But uh, Tim Hardaway, Dorian Finney-Smith and Kleber yesterday, who were good in L.A., combined for 12 points yesterday in the blowout loss. So now it's like, okay, they had two incredible wins in L.A. Can they win again in L.A.? Can they do that one more time? Uh, Because that's the Mavericks' best chance here is winning game five and then having a chance to close it out in game six. Because if it goes to game seven, I mean, you're just going to favor the home team. But... um are yes. you? Not in this well. series, Lee. The hobo sweep is on the table here, Lee. All it, road wins. It is. It, it is. But I just feel, especially from last night's game, I mean, this wasn't close. This wasn't close. No. And uh, again, Doncic is clearly bothered by that uh, injury. But even still, just the way it, they've been penetrating inside, there's been no defense there from Dallas. And that's uh, the huge concern here is the, the Clippers have figured out a way. Reggie Jackson came into the starting lineup. Good move, I think, there from Ty Lue. Patrick Beverly's based not played uh they're just getting way more uh offensive flow going and Kawhi is basically saying and Paul George is like that lane is open I just got to beat my defender and I can go inside and get a high percentage look why would they not do that in LA if they don't if they lose in LA I mean that would just be a complete disaster for the Clippers but uh, I just I just sort of feel now that they've got they 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 those two losses were ugly and bad and all the questions came back and I thought the Clippers glass jaw syndrome with them. They can't come back from adversity. And they have done very, very impressively there in Dallas. So they have to finish it off from here. Yeah. <laughs> Even that I can't. I'm still sort of like, mm, yeah, it's the Clippers though. Who knows? But yeah. uh, certainly a much better performance in games three and four than one and two. Yeah, Tass, what do you think? Best of three series now here between these two teams. Yeah, well, Tyloo was confident after those two losses. It's a head-scratcher why he was confidently looking back, but uh, at the same time, they changed their lineup, and that's changed things big time. Mm -hmm. They sat Ivica Zubats to start games. That's the the biggest thing for me. Luka Doncic was cooking the seven-footer whenever he Mm -hmm. got any sort of pick. They would just switch Zubats onto him, and now Nicholas Batum, who was a waiver-wire signing, Back in the day, back earlier this season, it feels like years ago, Charlotte released him. Now Batum is starting, and he is obviously more agile than Zubats, and things have shut down for the for the Mavs. They just uh, are a lot quicker on defense, the Clippers are, and this is fun to watch the Clippers. It feels weird to say that, but you know, oh, as soon as Batum is in there, along with Reggie Jackson, uh, those teams, those, those guys want to push, and they freaking push it mm. they just they get a stop and, and they throw they go right down the Mavs throats uh, because yeah the Mavs are, are struggling uh, defensively 
that's that's their problem. That's uh, their issue there. And uh, yeah, as far as um, you know, the the Doncic injury thing goes, it's obviously a real, real tough injury. He's got the old JD injury. I can't turn my head right. I mean, it's a, it's <laughs> it's 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 a very real injury. I don't I don't think there's anyone who wonders. Uh, if he's injured or not, like there's some points where he couldn't turn, like he had to he had to turn his not body. A good turn. It's like George Costanza. It's not a good turn. <laughs> oh, I thought it was like Zoolander. Can't turn left. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's a, that's a serious one. There's a lot of bandages on that neck and shoulder area, way more than Chris Paul has. So. Uh, whether it's Zoolander or the George Costanza, I mean, that's that's real. Uh, so uh, they needed Porzingis to step up in this one. I think that's why they started going to him the first few possessions. We need you hot, man. Yeah. We need you to be able to score, and we need you to take the pressure off Luca because he's not going to have a good game. And uh, that didn't uh, work out. It's just it's more on the defensive end. They just, they just they just have the confidence now that they have the perfect lineup. Uh, they have they have a good amount of defenders to work around Kawhi and Paul George, and uh, they have enough uh, shooting around um, around those guys. So it's it doesn't look good, especially Luca. This is the stat of the playoffs for me. He's shooting better from the three point line than the free throw mm, line yeah. in the playoffs. What forty point nine versus forty point six? He's zero for five from the free throw line in this one. He's just uh, sometimes. Weird, I mean, I've, yeah, really. Really weird. The shot obviously was looking amazing the first four games, uh, three games, I should say. But, uh, yeah, he got jolted uh, in game three, and he felt better on the game day than he did the day before. So hopefully he feels even better in game five. But, uh, yeah, big, big, big time uh, uh, momentum in the in the Clippers locker room right now. Got a couple days to maybe loosen up that neck and, and get it back to as they close to 100%. Day, right? They do have an extra day here. So that's that's good for the Mavs, of course, as they go back to L.A., uh, Jay and the uh, stream team pointing this out to TK, which was nice. Nice to see Hubie Brown was trending on Twitter there just because a bunch of people were showing him some love. It was, Hubie Brown's 86, 87 mm. years old, something like that, and uh, obviously still one of the best. That was cool. I don't know why people were just like, oh, Hubie Brown's great. I don't know why. Yeah, you why know, it took everybody, now, we'll do it. everybody's tuned into the playoffs. Yeah. We got eight series, so all the networks are going deep into their bag of commentators. And yeah, once you get Hubie on a call, it's always great to hear him. I remember I was at that game one in San Antonio 2014 when the air conditioning went out, and it was super duper hot. I saw Hubie Brown flying to, uh, I guess it would have been Miami for game three, and I was like, Hubie, uh, you ever be in a- Ever been in a game that hot? He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. It was like 30 years prior. He was in the original Heat game. The man was like, they were like, Hubie Brown was 15 years old when George Mikan was doing I these know. stats that was on the thing. If you actually saw George Mikan play and can reference the games he was having, that's incredible. No wonder the guy's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, absolutely. Give uh, give Hubie his flowers now while we still got him. And he's still great. I mean, I yeah. saw people in the stream team saying like, look, I hate to do it, but there is a crazy comparison where we, t- and I know they're doing two different roles. Marv's doing play-by-play. Hubie's doing color commentary, but it's like, he sure doesn't sound, Hubie, doesn't sound 87 or 86, whatever the heck he is. He sounds like 30 years younger, Lily. Um, he's obviously still with it, and he knows, you know, he's forgotten more about this game than all of us combined know about it, and everybody in the stream team included. Like, he's just 
seen everything and he remembers yeah. it all and has a great yep. way of getting it across and uh he's the best and it was One at the, the finals i think in uh, 2018 i was with bones and uh we bumped into hubie we had an elevator ride together and it was great just talking to him about <laughs> it because got a hubie ah, yeah yeah it. He's it, was awesome. man. <laughs> it was awesome because uh he he's like uh, basketball reference that's what I call him he's basketball reference because he knows everyone's stats everyone's shooting splits everyone's uh, percentage when they get into the lane it's like incredible how he's uh, so sharp still considering everything he's watched and, and learned and uh, and just how old he is as well I mean it's remarkable so great to have him there Hubes well done son and he's taking a son you can't call him son <laughs> and we know you're a oh. Sorry, by the way, there's one thing I have to bring up from uh, the Friday night game. Yeah. Uh, I know this is going way back. I meant to mention earlier. The audacity of Trey Young, who went inside, who's oh. six foot one, right? Yeah. And scored a floater over Emmanuel quickly, who's six foot three, and then ran back down the court doing yeah, the he's yeah. too small. <laughs> what an incredible <laughs> moment that was. I just remember that because I called Hubie's son when, uh, you know, that's uh, clearly not fair. So uh, you just reminded me of it. But what an incredible moment from Trey Young. <laughs> I thought we were going to have some sort of weird, like, Chris Haynes, Dr. Fauci, you calling out Hubie Brown, you want to go one-on-one with them, set up that game. That could be the opening game on the card between uh, uh, yeah. Haynes and Fauci, Lee Ellis versus Hubie Brown. <laughs> Hubie's got game, man. Oh, yeah. He saw you play. This is George Mike. He knows your game. Ah, uh, Hubes. All right. Uh, let's keep it going here. Let's move over to our uh, our next game. It's Saturday. It was the Blazers taking care of business, beating the Nuggets 115-95. And we're all tied up in this one too, baby. Yes, Denver and Portland. Two games apiece. Uh, big takeaway from this one. I'll get us started. Norm! Just like Dort, all right? Everybody's dropping Dort in the stream team. Cap locks, exclamation mark. Let's do it for Norm. Because he's the real playoff P. That's right. You heard me. Uh, Norman Powell, though, was awesome. He made his first four shots, first 11 of 13, finished with 29 points. He had the Portland crowd chanting his name. And as a Raptors fan, this isn't actually anything new. Norman Powell just has moments in playoff mm-hmm. series where he, like, he turns the tide, has big games, big moments. We saw it time and time again. I talked about it before when he got traded from the Raps to the Blazers earlier this year, but, like, You'll, you'll remember a lot of these. He saved the entire We the North like mantra, really, with that performance in Game 5 versus the Pacers in 16. Did the same thing in 17 versus the Bucks in Game 5. He popped off for 23. 2019 Eastern Conference Finals versus the Bucks. He was huge uh, in the games, specifically at home in Toronto. He had 19 off the bench in Game 3. Big plays in the fourth and double overtime and stuff like that. And then he chipped in another 18 in game four. Um, and he was just let it fly in that one. Anyway, he has these moments. Norman Powell, man. And he had one here. He was awesome. And I would pair that with Nurk outplaying Jokic in game four. Uh, well, as, as much as you possibly can. The Blazers' big man, 17 points, six boards, and two blocks. Stayed out of foul trouble. Stayed out there. I mean, they were just matching his minutes. Jokic was out there. Nurk's got to be out there. And Jokic had a very pedestrian 16 points, uh, third lowest playoff output of his career after scoring, of course, 34, 38, 36 in the first three games and feeling like he couldn't miss. And here we are, Blazers getting a win, guys, with Damian Lillard going one for 10. I mean, that's the crazy part. If you are the uh, the Blazers, excuse me, you're like, what? We just won this game with our guy that usually goes for 30-plus in his sleep uh, having a brutal night. And a big part of it, Lee, was Norman Nurk. I think both were awesome for them. 
Yeah, two good quotes, and one of them was from Mike Malone afterwards saying, if you'd told me going into the game that Lillard going to be one for 10 from the field and we're going to get blown out, I'd probably have a hard time believing that. And yep. <laughs> absolutely, that is true. Like, Lillard almost pulled a triple-double out of this game, but clearly uh, it wasn't his best performance. But really impressive victory there by the Blazers, and I thought that Nurkic was good. And after the game, because Kendrick Perkins had been giving him a bit of stick in the media, and he said about Kendrick Perkins, I guess in this league today, he'd be a mascot. And I think that's a, a great comeback there from uh, from Nurkic because he has been taking a bit of stick in this series and, and Jokic has been too good for him. But, you know, this was just uh, a huge, huge needed victory here for Portland to stay in it because now, again, it's a three-game series. Obviously, the Nuggets have home court advantage here, but this is where it was a couple of years ago and the Blazers did get that uh, Game 7 victory on the road. So they know they've done it. They know they've beaten, you know, largely this team on the road and they can do it. And uh, now they have to feel pretty confident because you're going to get better performances out of Lillard. You just want to have a little bit. You're going to have some regression to the mean here from Norm Powell. But if you can get most of that game uh, in game four, it just changes their offensive outlook so much better. So, uh, you know, rough game for so many of the Nuggets. No one really played all that well. You expect they're going to be much better in Game 5. But it's a great series. I still I, I picked the Blazers in 7. I mean, I'm, I'm going to ride with it. But uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating series. Really could go either way. Another pivotal Game 5. Drake Kirby, <laughs> we got to love it. Oh, of course you gotta love it, and it's no surprise. This one just feels like it's going seven. Neither of these teams is gonna be good enough, consistently enough to blow out the other team for the entirety of the series. Nurkic did a great job. I kind of feel like with Nurkic, anything he does on the court is almost gravy to him just being able to stay on the court and match Jokic's minutes, like you're saying, Skeets. Him being out there just gives them a chance, because otherwise it's like, you know that Jokic is going to absolutely cook Cantor. They're not even going to try playing Harry Giles. So Nurkic being able to give major minutes and then go out and trash talk Kendrick Perkins, that's huge for the Blazers. Now we got a three-game series, and it's going to come down to, does Nurkic go out and have, or uh, sorry, does Jokic go out and have three more 35-point nights, because that's how the Nuggets win? Or does Damian Lillard go out and have, Three thirty-five point nights for the Blazers. That's how they win. Good series going here. Fun to watch. Would you cheer for a Kendrick Perkins team if it was like the Portrait Portland Perkins? You know, and like that's literally your mascot. Perkins. Is Kendrick Perkins <laughs> shooting that, that jump shot? Uh, remember <laughs> they they did like the NBA logo for him when yeah. he hit that one jump shot right. with yeah. the Oklahoma City Thunder. He had a massive squat with his jumper. <laughs> I personally wouldn't, but I don't know. <laughs> sure. Maybe there are some there are some fans out there. Well, yeah, we're probably getting the Sonics back at some point, right? In Seattle, maybe they'll add another team. So you're like pitching like the Las Vegas Perks or something like that. <laughs> Las Vegas Perkins, Punxsutawney Perkins. Yeah, okay. that can work. The Las Vegas Perks. There's a lot of Perks. You're trying That's to a book point. a hotel, trying right. to really in a lot of points. Yeah, maybe. Uh, anything to add to this series, Tess? Well, yeah, Jokic had his first off game of the series, and I can't stand when they're playing at 4 o'clock. They played the Blazers, they start at 4 o'clock Eastern, while the Sixers and the Wizards started at 7 o'clock Eastern. Flip those things. <laughs> and just put it in prime time. And I think I'm going to blame uh, the early start for uh, Jokic's poor performance. That's like a 1 o'clock uh, nugget time, one o'clock mountain time for so I'm sure he was a little a little napsy. And you could say the same for the Blazers <laughs> as well. Uh, but uh, their game seven, if they do play again, uh, if they do go to seven games, is also on a Saturday. But I think there won't be enough games to shove them into the afternoon mm, lineup. I'm right. getting selfish. Uh, I don't I, I don't want to watch that in the afternoon. Give me prime time Jokic. 
So, uh, yeah, we'll see if this goes seven. But, uh, yeah, I still still have big hopes for the Nuggets in this one uh, to, to bounce back. Jokic will bounce back. But if he has a bad game, especially with Jamal Murray out, it's just unlikely that they're going to win. So it's, there's a lot of pressure on him. Yeah, the number one thing to watch in game five is, like, how quickly or not Nurk picks up two fouls. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, he's fine with one. You can get one early, but then you can't pick up a second one quick or they're going to be in for a long night. He has to be out there, like Trey said, to at least try and slow Jokic. And even if he's on him, I mean, Jokic, of course, could still go for 30-12, no problem. But can't wait for game five. All right, final series. Man, we are running long, of course, here on a Monday. Woo. Donovan Mitchell on Saturday scored 29 points. Jazz beat the Grizzlies for the two one lead uh trey get us started big takeaways from game uh three here between these teams well i've somehow made two grizzlies buddies recently they're both really loving this series loving the reps that memphis is getting but they're also kind of understanding that the jazz are really really good maybe even a little bit underrated still here in the playoffs since the game one donovan mitchell snafu they've really looked like the jazz and i thought game three in particular was a microcosm. They had the three-point shooting. They went 19 of 43, made six more three-pointers than the Grizzlies. As we know, the Jazz are a great three-point shooting team where the Grizzlies are not. So if you're plus six there, that's an extra 18 points. That's tough for Memphis to make back. They also had Donovan Mitchell balling out 29 points on a tough shooting night. He had 10 in the fourth quarter, had a big and one, had a big three-pointer down the stretch. Uh, three-point shooting, and Donovan Mitchell at the end. That's a nice combination for the Jazz. And, of course, they had the defense as well. Ja hit a floater, put the Grizz up by two with four and a half minutes left. Memphis didn't make another basket for the rest of the game. So the Jazz are locking it down on defense. They've got the three-pointers dropping. They've got Donovan Mitchell rounding into form after missing that game one. I also thought Mike Conley was really great in this game. 27 points, seven threes. A great win for Utah. They're just looking like we thought Utah would look heading into this series. They got caught off guard in game one. Donovan Mitchell missing unexpectedly where the Grizzlies were coming in, having played in that playoff or play in tournament, having played a bunch of really big games down the stretch, whereas the Jazz were just completely caught off guard, took the L. Since then, they've recovered, looking pretty good so far. Yeah, Lee, is this a, a douchebag sweep we're going to be looking at here with the Jazz Grizz? <laughs> think so yeah I, and again as Trey pointed out there that's the biggest takeaway is that Jazz threes start falling and they're just very very hard to defend because uh, they get everyone basically apart from their bigs can shoot three so they spread the floor well and if you get one guy like Conley who finished with seven of them uh, it just really makes their offense flow a lot better but it was close I mean the, the Grizzlies had enough uh, of an opportunity here to pull this one out but then the Jazz's defense was able to really stifle them down the stretch there so the Jazz are the better team the Grizzlies are not going to go away quietly they're going to fight but it just doesn't feel like they have quite enough offense there uh, Dylan Brooks fouled out again and also there's a couple of weird videos going around I'm sure if you guys saw them doing some weird stuff to Mike Conley there like sort of punching him and getting his head into his shoulder and stuff like that really playing up to that like hey you know why I've got the most punchable face because I'm just the most punchable guy in the league as well. He just uh, <laughs> doing some weird He's stuff an, there. An just the face. for sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, but fun game, fun atmosphere there. Looked like the grindhouse really was bumping as well. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I can see the Grizzlies. I can see them maybe extending it, but certainly the Jazz are the better team with Donovan Mitchell back there. He's taken a game or two to sort of find his legs, but uh, once they start rolling, and again, once that offense opens up with him back in that lineup, he didn't shoot it all that well himself from 3-2 for 10. It was just another option, another weapon, 
Uh, and if he can find those uh, shooters on the corners, then the, the Jazz are just at their best when that's the way that they play. So going to be tough here from the Grizzlies um, to, to do anything more than extend the series. But uh, good for the Jazz because, of course, the incident with uh, Donovan Mitchell last week, we wanted to be sort of forget about that and concentrate on the basketball. And I think that's what's uh, happened for them. Yeah, game four between these two teams tonight, Tass. 9.30 start. You'll be happy with that. Only two games on tonight. We've got the uh, Wizards one, really. trying to stay alive. Yeah, <laughs> Sixers-Wizards game four. We'll get your brooms out probably for that one. And then, uh, yeah, a big game four in Memphis, at least, for the Grizzlies to try and make this a best-of-three series like a lot of these Western Conference matchups are. Can they do it as well? Or do you uh, think the Jazz with Mitchell back and everyone fall, sort of falling back into their roles a little bit more because you've got your superstar back that they're looking pretty good here over these next couple of games. Well, I'm absolutely loving this series because uh, I love the way Memphis fought back in that game three. Uh, that was easily, or, um, you know, the, the, the game that the Jazz could have rolled to a 30, 40 point win if, if, if Memphis didn't fight back. Mm-hmm. And uh, they lost that first quarter by double digits. They were leaving the Jazz shooters open. Then you got Taylor Jenkins, head coach of the Grizzlies, just on his guys, all over them. And they they played them even the rest of the game. Uh, but uh, when it came down to the last few minutes, John Morant fired his uh, his shots a little bit earlier and, and kind of ran out of, of steam the last few minutes. And, and Donovan Mitchell is a legit superstar. Everybody is comparing this Utah Jazz team to the Atlanta Hawks team in 2014-15, that won 60 games. The difference is... The Hawks did not have a Donovan Mitchell right. uh, to be able to just take over. This is truly a team where uh, we'll play together for 45 minutes, and then, Donovan, it's your show, man. Just run it. And, yeah, he didn't have an incredible night, but they could just rely on him to create those last few minutes, and he ended up having, yet yeah, those 29 points, as Trey mentioned. Uh, and I wonder if the Jazz or the Hawks team even had a Mike Conley. Uh, we're talking about the, that Hawks team with Jeff Teague and Al Horford and Paul Millsap, Tamari Carroll, and Kyle Korver. And Mike Conley looked so good in this game. He was great. Uh, getting up to his 27 points. They got their starting backcourt back. But I, I really love this Grizzlies team. They, uh, they, again, they fought even for those last three quarters. I could definitely see them uh, coming back and, uh, and winning this game and uh, making it, you know, and making it an interesting series here down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, also that uh, the Dylan Brooks getting into uh, Mike Conley's face, neck, shoulder thing. He's been doing it all series with his head. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if uh, the, the Jazz sent some tapes to the league uh, because, you know, I don't know if you can retroactively look back, but the guy's doing, you know, he's, he's headbutting. He's doing mm-hmm. some Evander Holyfield just like, bonky on the face with his head. I mean, he's doing it over and over and over again. And it's, it's it's like not egregious enough to call in the moment. Uh, But yeah, he's, he's earning, he's living up to that reputation for sure. Yeah. I also love that. Like Mike Conley is so beloved, even by Grizzlies fans, like that. We like, we're not here today on Monday going, well, it was the Mike Conley revenge game and stuff like that. Right. I mean, he was awesome. Like you guys said, he had 27 points. Eight assists, six boards. He had seven threes in this game three. It's just, but, you know, it's Mike Conley. Everyone's like, you know, even Grizzlies fans are like, hmm, well, good game, Mike. Uh, sorry about Brooks punching <laughs> your head button in the face. Uh, but he's just so beloved. Anyway, we'll see what happens in game four. It, it is weird. I will say the one clip of Brooks, the head butting, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and defend that crap because you're right. It's getting a little, like, way too close to the guy's actual head. And you can, like, of course, pop somebody's, or you really hurt somebody's eye or something like that. Whatever. It's silly, too. It's stupid. 
the one where like the punching one you said, Lee, like where maybe it looked like he was going to sort of cut back door and it was sort of like the, almost like the swim off move, like get your hand off me. Like, I think people are going a little overboard. It was a punch. I don't think it was a punch. Um, personal opinion is more of that. We talked, it happened in an earlier series where we got into that with someone else. Trey, I don't know if you remember. Two Doncic big- punched a guy. Was it Doncic? Oh, that was, that was before the playoffs. Was, was that before the playoffs? playoffs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're he right, right. punched um, Colin Sexton there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, that was a punch. Uh, yeah. Well, I, 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 I know what you're Sexton, saying. But Sexton yeah. was like, he didn't actually mean to punch me. Right. In the sense yeah. it was the get off me, yeah. I'm clearing my arm, you know, whatever and stuff like that. Anyway, I sort of think that's what Brooks was doing. But he's an irritant and he's yeah. a bit of a hothead and he believes he's the greatest player in the world. And that's what makes him fun as hell to watch at times and, you know, can get himself into trouble, I think. Yeah, and honestly, Mike Conley won the battle here. He might have gotten yeah. headbutted and punched a bunch of times, but he also dropped 27 on Dylan Brooks's head and changed Dylan Brooks's name to Dylan Brooks, was eventually fouled out of this game. You could just put that on almost every single story about this guy. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, uh, <laughs> he plays very, very, very aggressive. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, man. Very Lay aggressive. off, buddy. Yeah, very, very, very aggressive. All right, we got to take one more break. We do have Tweet of the Night, though, still, so don't go anywhere. Uh, what do you got for us, Lily? All right, we had some heartbreaking news this weekend. Uh, we learned that former Utah Jazz Center Mark Eaton died at age 64 after an apparent bike crash. Passersby uh, found Eaton in the street Friday night in Utah, Summit County, Utah, according to the statement from the team. Police do not believe a vehicle was involved in the accident. Uh, for those that don't know, maybe the, the young listeners or watchers out there, Eaton spent his entire 12-year career in Utah from 82 to 93. He was an all-star in 89 and a two-time defensive player of the year in the 80s. The Jazz actually retired his number 53 jersey during the 95-96 regular season. Seven foot four big man, led the league four times in blocks per game, including Lily, a single season record of 5.6 blocks per game in 80-45. 5.6 blocks per game. Go check out some Mark Eaton highlights today, guys, especially if you're, if you're younger, uh, listening or watching the show. Some of the blocks are unreal. I mean, he's obviously a giant dude. He's not jumping at times. He's just straight up like pinning these guys uh, on the glass. He, he was incredible. He finished with 3,000 plus blocks, fourth most in NBA history. And he's the NBA's all-time leader in blocks per game with 3.5. But again, you know, obviously sudden and heartbreaking news with what happened there uh, in Utah over the weekend lately. Yeah, uh, tragic. I mean, no other way to put it. Uh, an accident. Uh, he was still in fairly good shape for a big guy and a sixty-four-year-old guy just out uh, enjoying his bike ride. And obviously, something happened there, and uh, just a devastating moment for Mark Eaton and his family and friends, and uh, and also the Utah Jazz organization. Uh, you know, for a guy who kind of had a, a strange entry into the NBA as well, but then Frank Layden, the Jazz coach, saw that he could be effective and. Uh, you know, you go back to that 1988 series where the Lakers actually went on to win the championship, first team to go back-to-back in 20 years, but they had to get past the Utah Jazz, and Mark Eaton was a big part of that because uh, his presence inside was really causing problems for the Lakers. So, you know, he was uh, he was a very good player. He got rewarded with the All-Star game nod there in 89. Um, one team for his whole career, you know, and, and then off the basketball court, uh, just revered as such a, a true, honest uh, guy who gave back to the league as well, working with the Players Association. Yeah. Uh, and was around. So uh, just uh, no other way to describe it. Just devastating that uh, that his life was uh, ended in, in such tragic circumstances. And he definitely influenced Rudy Gobert's career. Rudy Gobert posting about uh, how how he worked with Mark Eaton and how close they were. And uh, that's obviously uh, affected the way the Jazz play. And uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's a, rec- a record that hangs in, 
and Mark Eaton's name in most blocks in a single season. And I wonder if an NBA pl- player approaches that with the way the game is played today. Oh, I don't seem think like so. That'll ever oh, be man. No way. Put me down on record saying that never gets beaten. Not, you're right. With the way the game's played, I can't imagine it. 5.6 per game? This I wonder how many five-block games there even were during the league, uh, during the entirety of the season this year. I mean, are there going to be 80 of them, like an entire right. season for Mark Eaton? I don't know. But uh, if you were around in the 80s and 90s watching the NBA, Mark Eaton was kind of synonymous with the Jazz right after John Stockton and Carl Malone. He's yep. just the next name you knew because he was one of the early gigantic guys in the NBA. And like you're saying, Skeets, he was using that height to his his, adva- his advantage between him and Manu Bull. There were a couple of just humongous guys that are never going to be forgotten in league history. Yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace to Mark Eaton, sending our best, of course, to the entire Jazz franchise. Okay, let's end this with a little tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Tweet of uh. running long here so i'll make it quick i saw this tweet from uh, a small account called at sports center <laughs> and uh i thought it was great hashtag sc andre Iguodala's final streak is over after playing in six straight this year's finals will be the first without iggy since 2014 wow, wow. lee that's a crazy fact man hashtag sc right there but uh pretty wild with the obviously the heat getting swept there by the bucks and we will not be seeing Iguodala in the final what a run no there. no incredible stuff there from Iggy I wonder if sports center uh, made that one themselves or if they just nicked it off another account they've done Ooh, that a few times wow. they do that they do Welcome that without spice center starring Lee Ellison <laughs> no, I'm just saying you're a big account like that it's fine <laughs> if you're gonna use someone else's tweet though credit them that's all wait that's did all. they Am no, I... I'm not sure. I'm not saying oh, if they did wow. for that one. I'm just saying just they've done that a few up? times. All right. Well, yeah, they're, they're big enough. Big boys, they've got enough they can uh, handle it. I mean, all you have to do is just show that credit. That's it. But okay, well, good look. tweet. You know, factually accurate. Sure. Okay, good. <laughs> there you go. Good. Let's gonna... call it there. Oh, all right, right, let's call it there. I was just going to say, going to be an interesting Hall of Fame case in the future. Andre Iguodala. Will this be something that gets brought up? I mean, he made what? Six straight finals? Yeah. That's a lot. Uh, it's got to be pretty close to LeBron making it 10 straight times, which, uh, you know, is just going to get more and more impressive as time yeah. goes on. When you look back and you say Andre Iguodala made six straight finals, it's pretty crazy. Picked yeah. up a finals MVP in there, too. There you go. Hmm. Yeah, he will have an interesting case, for sure. I mean, because we just had the, uh, you know, it always makes its rounds every once in a while, the Robert Ory case. You know, should he be in the Hall yeah. of Fame? Is he a Hall of Famer? You know, like Iguodala. Like, would you have Iguodala ahead of Robert Ory if you had to, like, pick one or the other to put into the Hall of Fame? I would. I yeah, would. probably. He's got yeah. an all-star appearance. He's got gold yeah. medals with Team USA. Yeah. But Robert Ory's got seven titles. No, I know, I know. I like you know, that. that's a... That'll be that'll be the comparison for sure. It'll be those two guys going head to head. Who gets in first? Yep. yep. Uh, we're talking we're talking SC facts here. So I got to fact check you, Trey. LeBron didn't make it ten straight times, right? He made eight break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, okay. in, then a Lakers one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Uh, but Hashtag Taz facts. Did you steal? <laughs> well, I hope you get credited on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So what? Uh, yeah, he's got a good record at the final. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, LeBron's made it 10 times. 
Totally. Yeah, totally. If, you, if you include the throwback. There we go. Yeah. Sorry, oh, man. Seven. I'm just freestyling out here. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. That's, that's why I'm fact-checking. This you is know? a holiday Monday here. That's what we're doing. We're fact-checking. Let the checking. beat drop. Let's talk about some championship appearances. Well, at least Tass didn't drop a hashtag well actually on you like Schumann mm-hmm. would have. I mean, that just, every time you get a hashtag well actually, man, it really just has a knife right in your back there from Schumann. It really hurts. Anyway, we got to call it there. This is a super long episode. We knew it would be as we uh, tried our best to at least touch on all eight of the series got one of them done might be another one wrapping up tonight like i said uh sixers trying to close it out trying to sweep the wizards excited for game four between the jazz and the grizzlies in memphis there which was rocking you're right somebody mentioned it here that place that building was going nuts so they should be uh in fine form once again tonight enjoy those games we'll be back tomorrow tuesday 10 a.m eastern live here on youtube to break them down and talk about the big news in the nba and set up the rest of the series as we move forward thank you so much to the stream team again for joining us here go grab your no dunks merch over at nodunks.com subscribe to the athletic go to the athletic.com slash no dunk so they know we sent you and yeah we will see you tomorrow clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome thanks for joining us and remember as jay suggests in the stream team dylan brooks is the least polite canadian of all time Uh, yeah, let me let me think on that. I, it might yeah. be me, actually. <laughs> I'm a bit of a dick, aren't I? What about Tom Green? Always messing with his parents. Not very polite. Mm. What about Marty McSorley? <laughs> <laughs> Embrace the day, people. <laughs>